Amen. If you think back to last week, then you may recall that I told you in our Wednesday evening services as we finish out this year that I was going to be doing just some word studies from the Word of God. That is, just take a word, find a word, and just trace it through the Bible and watch how God presents truth from that one little word. And last week, you may remember, if you think back, we used the word never as it is found in the New Testament. And the one thing that we discovered last week is there are some great words around the or great truths that are associated with the word never. You know, never hunger, never thirst, never Never perish, never leave thee, never forsake thee. All great words and truths surrounded or associated with the word never. You know, if we're not careful sometimes, we, uh, we'll overlook some of the great words of the Bible simply because they're just common words. What's the old saying? You know, they say this, you can't see the forest for the trees. And sometimes that's the way we approach the Bible. However, as you work through the Bible, it is amazing how that God gave us great truths with just common, ordinary, all too familiar words. So tonight I want us to consider another just a very simple word, and yet as we trace that word through the Bible, there are some great truths surrounded or associated with that word. And the word that I want to use tonight is the word nothing. The word nothing. Now, the title of my message tonight is this, Much Ado about nothing. Boys, I can, you're going to see here in just a moment, God certainly did make a big deal about nothing in the Bible. Now, just so we're all on the same page, let me just, if I once again can just stop and define the word nothing for you. Here's what Webster says about the word nothing. He said it means this, not anything. Then he said this, no thing, of no value and of no consequence. And then he concluded it by saying this. He said, nothing is something that does not exist. Nothing. And then here are some synonyms for the word nothing. Blank, naught, nada, zilch, zero. Let me use the word nothing in a sentence for you. The best way to get paid for doing nothing is to change your last name to Kardashian. <laughs> nothing. Let me use the word nothing in a joke for you. I heard about this little boy. He said to his mom, he said, Mama, I'll be good for $5. She said, I shouldn't have to pay you to be good. He said, okay, I'll be good for $3. She said, again, son, I shouldn't have to pay you uh, for just being good. He said, Mama, what about a dollar? She said, son, why can't you be good for nothing like your daddy? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nothing. So the word that we're going to trace tonight through the Bible is the word Nothing. Now, let me stop, and I want you to look this way. I want you to give me your undivided attention because I'm about to say something here that I've never said in how many ever years I've been preaching. It's 18, 58, 40 years of preaching that I've never said this before. But I'm saying this to you tonight, and I mean this with all my heart. I hope you get nothing out of this message tonight. <laughs> Moving right along, let's look at nothing. All right, let's get started tonight in John chapter 15. Let's follow the word nothing as it appears a few places in the Bible. Now, the first time that I'm, I'm going to call our attention to the word nothing is in John chapter 15. And in this text, you've got to remember, Jesus has left the upper room. He's walking along with his disciples, and they're on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. The cross, the cross, and the suffering of the Son of God is just hours away. And as they walk along... 
Jesus knowing that the hour has come for him to, to, to suffer, uses this time to instruct his disciples. In this text, if you look there at verse number 1, he begins to give us one of those analogies about what the Christian life is really all about. And he said this, I am the true vine, my father is the husbandman. And then he goes on to talk about how that he's the, he's the vine and that we are the branches. Another picture of, how, of what kind of relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus. Really the great lessons. Most of y'all are looking for the word nothing now. Don't get ahead of me. Now look up here for just a minute. Y'all looking down and saying, well, you see it? Yeah. Is it in there somewhere? But look here, look here. There are really three great truths we get from this text tonight. First of all, there's the truth, number one, about abiding, the truth about abounding, and then the truth about abasing. That's what we take from these first five or six verses of this, of this text. The truth about abiding. Jesus said, if you'll look there at verse number four, abide in me and I in you. The truth about abiding. You know, the greatest, uh, the greatest advice that I could give any of us as we live out these last days is, boy, we need to abide in Christ. That word abide just simply means to stay put. It means to remain. It means to stay close to. And buddy, I want to tell you something. If we're going to make it through in these last days, we need to abide in Christ. Can I have an amen? He gives us the truth about abiding. Then again, if you'll look in this text, he gives us the truth about abounding. Look at verse number 5. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. How many of you want an abounding life? How many of you want a life that's being blessed and a life that's being fruitful? Well, that's the abounding life, but the abounding life only comes as we abide in Christ. So abiding and abounding. But then he comes to verse number 6 and he talks about abasing. Look at verse 6. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Listen, if I'm going to abound, I've got to abide. And if I don't abide, I'll never abound and I'll wind up being abased. That's the truth of this text right here. We've got to abide in Christ. But now for the nothing. Look at verse number 5. The la uh, uh, verse 5 said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do, say it, nada, zilch, zero, naught, no thing, not anything. Without Jesus, you and I can do nothing. I'm calling that the nothing of performance. If we're going to do anything for God in these days, we're going to have to do it through Him and by Him and with Him and in Him and through Him. That's the only way that we're going to be able to do anything. Without Him, we can't do nothing. By the way, that's true physically. We can't do it. We can't live without Him physically. We cannot exist. I know people that are not even saved tonight never even give God a second thought, but I'm here to tell you, they can't live without Jesus. There is no way. Physically speaking, we cannot. The Bible said in Acts chapter 17, verse 28, that in Him, in Jesus, we live and move and have our being. So physically, you know, they used to sing that song, and I'm not sure, maybe they still do some, but it's something like this. I can't even walk without Him holding my hand. We can't even physically function without Jesus. Without Him, we can do nothing. Can I have an amen? I'm telling you, we can't live without Him. But then what about this? We can't do anything spiritually without Jesus. How futile is it for you and us, uh, you and me, to try to have church without Jesus? 
can't do it. How can we have Sunday school without Jesus? How can we sing in the choir and have a bus ministry without Jesus? We can't do anything without Jesus. Nothing. For without me, Jesus said, let's cut the chase. I'm just here to tell you, boys, without me, you can do nothing. Blank, nada, zilch, naught, zero. Nothing can be done without him. The nothing of performance. We can't go soul winning without him. We can't uh, pray without him. We can't read the Bible without him. I'm telling you, we need him for everything, for without him, we can do, say it with me, no thing, nothing. So that's the nothing of performance. Let's move now. Lick your finger. Y'all ready? <laughs> can't put it up on the screen. Lick your finger. Let's go to Galatians chapter 6 right quick. Galatians to the right. Uh, General Electric Power Company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Look at, at the book of Galatians chapter number 6, and look at verse number 3. Boy, this is a good nothing. Look at Galatians 6 verse 3. That's the nothing. The first one is the nothing of performance. This one is the nothing of pride. Now look at Galatians 6 verse 3, and it says this, For if a man think himself to be something when he is... Say it with me. What's he done? He deceiveth himself. Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? We have to be careful about thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. I mean, the Bible said if we think we are something, when in reality we're nothing. I read this week, I don't know, I, I don't know, but I read this at goodscience.com. It says our bodies are made up of 54 different elements. And if you take all those, all those elements at today's rates, the human body is going to be worth a whopping $1,985. I read some other, uh, other places on the Internet that said our, our body was worth about $15. Isn't that amazing? Put a $40 hat on a 10-cent head. But if we're not careful, we'll get to thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Could I, could, could, let me read verse, verse 3 again. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. And then could I put this right out in quotation marks? See the devil. I've, I've told you recently that the reason we got a devil today is because he got to thinking more highly of himself than he ought to think. He got pride in his heart. And when he got pride in his heart, he got to thinking that the worship that's being directed toward God ought to be directed toward him. And we got a devil today. Why? Because of pride. And we've got to be careful about pride. Uh, let me say there's two things we really need to be careful about, these kind of attitudes. Number one, that without us, everything would just fall. That without us, everything would just... That's not true. Can I have an amen? Everything is not riding on us. Can I tell you something, and, and I mean this in the best of ways, but if I die tonight, somebody will be preaching here Sunday morning. If I die tonight, y'all will have service Sunday and Sunday morning, and y'all will be back next Wednesday night and the next Sunday and the next Sunday. You know why? It ain't dependent on me. Can I have an amen? Well, maybe don't say amen right there. I'll go ahead and say amen. But it's ain't, it's, this, this work doesn't depend on me. You know, Brother Gross was here all those years, and now Brother Gross has gone to heaven, and look what we're doing tonight. We're still having church. You know why? This church wasn't built on Brother Gross. And when Brother Tim's dead and gone, y'all will have another preacher to be up here just preaching away. You know why? This church ain't built on Brother Tim. 
I mean, man, let's don't ever get to the place that we think, man, uh, that, 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 that this church or, or God can't make it without us. I'll be honest with you. He's doing good before I got here, and he'll be doing much better when I'm gone because I sure do cause him a lot of trouble, and probably you do as well. So it ain't all depending on us. Uh, your class, if you die tonight, your class will have Sunday school this coming Sunday. Uh, and I love our bus workers, but bless your heart, if you die, hopefully somebody will be on that church bus again. Now, you know why? It's not depending on us. It depends on God. This ain't our work. It's God's work. And God will, the work of God may, will just continue on. Without us, probably everything will be a little bit better without us, just to be honest with you. <laughs> Maybe not you, but uh, without me. Because everything is not depending on me. I don't want to think of myself more highly than I ought to think. And then what about this? If we're not careful, sometimes we'll get to thinking we're the only ones that's doing anything for God. I call that the Elijah syndrome. You remember when Elijah was in the cave there and God came to him and uh, he said, uh, he was talking to Elijah and Elijah said, Lord, I'm the only one that's left around here that's trying to serve you. Everybody else has done fell down and worshiped Baal and I'm the only one that cares. I'm the only one that's trying to do right. I'm the only one that's trying to serve you. Nobody else cares. And God said, Elijah, ho hold on just a minute. Elijah, I got 7,000 more just like you that you don't even know about and they've not kissed the image of Baal nor bowed the knee to him. And this, let me just say this. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not the only ones left. Can I just say that again? We are not the only ones that's left. There are other people who care. There are other people that's involved. There's other people that's engaged. Let's don't think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Let's don't tout our own, let's don't tout our own abilities. Let's don't sound our own alarm and, and blow our own trumpet and say, man, if it wasn't for me, nothing would get done around here because that's just not the truth. That's the nothing of pride. If we get to that place that we think we're the only ones left, we're the only one that's doing anything, we're the only one that cares, when we get to that place, can I tell you something? One or two things will happen. We're going to quit serving God because we're going to get so discouraged we're going to fall by the wayside or... The devil's going to get a hold of us. Hey, the nothing of pride. Read verse 3 with me again. Read it with me. Let's read it out loud. For if a man think himself, y'all not reading. Let's read it again. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, y'all not reading with me. Let's read it again. Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse. No, that's not that verse. For if a man think himself to be something when he's nothing, what's he done? He's deceived himself. Boy, the devil's done slipped him a line, hook, line, and sinker, and he's done, or she has done swallowed it because they think they're the only ones left. No, sir. Not, not on your life. Uh, we are nothing when we get to thinking like that. And by the way, we're nothing without God anyway. We can't do it without him. Without me, you can do nothing. The nothing of performance. Uh, if you think yourself to be something when you're nothing, the nothing of pride. Now let's go over. Wet your finger again to the right. First Timothy chapter number 6. Here's another nothing that's in the Bible. First Timothy chapter 6. Aren't we having fun? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. First Timothy chapter 6, and look, if you will, at verse number 7. Boy, this is a good nothing. I'm calling this one the nothing of possessions. Look at verse 7. Ready? Here we go. Let's read it. Ready? Verse 7. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nada, zilch, naught, zero. I mean, we came into this world with nothing. We're going to leave this world with nothing. 
I mean, what a great verse here. You know, we, uh, I like what old Job said. Job said that uh, uh, in Job chapter 1, he talked about man coming into the world. What's that verse, Job chapter? Does anybody know that verse off the top of your head? Job, uh, uh, na here, naked came, I into, uh, naked came I into this world, and naked shall I return thither. Uh, that's, that's, just, that's our life. We came with nothing. We're going to leave with nothing. I've never seen a baby enter the world driving a Porsche. I've never seen one baby arrive over Forsyth Hospital in a Ferrari. We came with nothing. We'll leave with nothing. In fact, when we were born, listen to this, we were wrinkled, red, bald, toothless, couldn't hardly see, were crying and complaining, and had not one stitch of clothes on. But thank God we've grown up now, and at least we put some clothes on. <laughs> nothing. I don't know about you, but when I arrived, I was already in debt to my mama for nine months of room and board. And I was so surprised to be here, I didn't speak for six months. Nothing. The only thing we can take out of this world with us are our families. That's all we can carry. I mean, we, can, we, we arrived with nothing, we're going to leave with nothing. I think this is a warning to all of us. Man, don't become too invested in this world. There's nothing wrong with having nice cars, having a nice house. There's nothing wrong with having aspirations, uh, you know, to, for this or that. But man, let's don't, that's not what ought to consume our lives. Let's don't become so distracted by all the material stuff, because I'm here to tell you, everything on this earth is going to burn up one of these days. And we're living for the wrong world if we invest our life in this world and we get our eyes upon this world, then we've done missed the mark because, I mean, this world's going to burn up some of these days. Somebody said the, before you get saved, the greatest question you have to answer is heaven or hell. But after you get saved, the question you have to answer is heaven or earth. What world are you going to live for? Let's don't live for the wrong world. Don't get distracted. We brought nothing into this world. Somebody said life, life can be summed up in four puts. What you put on, what you put in, what you put up, and what you put back. The four puts of life. What you put in, what you put on, what you put up, and what you put back. And ladies and gentlemen, outside of that, that's all that matters about life. Can I have an amen? It is certain that we brought nothing to this world. It is certain that we can carry nothing out. The nothing of possession. So we got the nothing of pride. We got the nothing of performance. The nothing of possession. Now wet your finger and go with me over back a little bit to the book of Philippians chapter 4. Because we got another nothing here. And I'm calling this one the nothing of prayer. The nothing of prayer. Look at Philippians chapter 4 now. And look at verse number 6. Alright. This is a good verse. You probably already know this one, but here's a good nothing in the Bible. Look at verse 6. Be careful for, what's the next word? Nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Let me put that for South Carolina language. Be careful for nothing. For South Carolina language. Be careful for nothing, but, but, uh, but in everything by prayer. For South Carolina language. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. That's what that verse is saying. Worry about nothing. How many of y'all worry too much? Don't raise your hand. And don't point to other people neither. How many of us worry too much? You ever lay in the bed at night and worry about stuff? I get it, man. I'm like you. I, I, I spend sleepless nights sometimes because I'm worried over this and worried over that. I heard a good statement. It goes something like this. Here's the only two things that you shouldn't worry about. Number one, what you can control. And number two, what you can't control. Now, worry about everything else you want to. 
but not what you can control, because if you can control it, fix it. And don't worry about what you can't control, because if you can't control it, it's futile. Worry for nothing, worry about nothing, and pray about everything. I heard about this one man that was just filled with worry. He couldn't sleep at night. He, he was eat up with ulcers. He was constantly walking the floor, and everybody knew he was a basket case. Well, one day he met one of his friends uptown, and he was a totally changed man. His friend said, I can't believe it, man. What's happened to you? You don't look worried anymore. He said, I'm not. He said, well, how'd you, how'd you shake it? He said, I hired somebody to do all my worrying for me. He worries about everything for me. He said, man. He said, how's that working out? He said, it's working good. I don't worry about nothing anymore. He said, how much something like that cost you? He said, $1,000 a week. He said, you ain't got that kind of money. How are you going to pay him? He said, that's his worry. <laughs> don't worry about it. Worry about nothing and pray about everything. Let me, let me give you a good promise. Same chapter. Look at verse 19. But my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What's that verse telling us? Don't worry about it. Pray about it. God's already promised he's going to meet every need of our lives. We just got to trust him. The nothing of prayer. So we got the, here we go, nothing of performance, nothing of pride, nothing of possession, nothing of prayer. But I want you to get this next nothing. I'm calling it the nothing of possibility. Wet your finger now. Go back to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. And let me read you a good verse. If you don't have this one marked, you need to mark this one. Luke chapter 1. Let me read you a good nothing verse here. Ready? You know, we're getting ready to celebrate Christmas, the birth of our Savior. In just 17 days, it has really come out of nowhere. And, uh, uh, man, it's just, it's just it's, it's here upon us. And we all know the story, you know, the fullness of time. God dispatched an angel to the town of Nazareth to announce to a little virtuous girl, a young lady, a little virgin lady, a girl by the name of Mary, about how she was going to give birth to the Son of God. You can just imagine how startling the news. Then after hearing the news in verse 34, Mary says unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? In other words, she, she understands biology. She says, How can a, a young lady who has never known a man, who is a virtuous a, a virtuous young lady, a virgin young lady, how in the world can she have a child? And the answer that she receives in verse 37 is a great nothing verse. For it says this, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Let me read it like this. For with God nada, naught, zilch, no thing, not anything, is too hard for God to do. God can do anything. Can I have an amen? That's the nothing of possibility. Yeah, I wrote this down. Listen to this. I don't know what you might need tonight, but there's nothing too hard for God to do. Listen to this. There's no person. There's no person too hard for God to save. There's no prayer too hard for God to hear. There's no place too hard for God to revive. There's no problem too hard for God to solve. Nothing, not a zilch, alt, not anything is too hard for our God to do. Nothing. Amen. The nothing of possibility. We're coming in for a landing now. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 real fast. Back to the right again. And uh, look at chapter 13. Let me uh, read this nothing verse to you. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's see. Is that in the New Testament? I think it is. Chapter 13. Look at verse number 1. 
And here's what we read. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not love or charity, I am... That's the nothing of profit. You see, if we don't love, it doesn't do us any good. No matter what else we may do, it's never going to be good if we don't love. The Bible said we can do all these things here, but if we have not love, we're nothing. I thought about this. See if you agree with this. There's a few things the church can never have too much of. Number one, they can never have too much parking places. Can I have an amen? They can never have too much faith. I'd give anything. Brother Lyons, Brother J.T. Lyons, back probably, I think he died in 2013, 2013, 2014, right around there. He tried to get me back in 2012, right along in there. He tried to get me to go ahead and dig the footings for that new building. And he told me, he said, Brother Tim, if you'll dig them footings, God will give us the money to pay for that new building. Well, like an idiot, I said, I, we can't do that, Brother J.T., I mean, I, I, I just, that, that'd be, I, just, I just think people would think we're crazy. I mean, we, got no, we, ha, we don't have the money to build that bill. He said, build the, dig the footings, God will send the money. Well, I didn't. And we, we still don't have a building over there. We can never have too much faith. I should have had the faith to go ahead and say, hey, bless God, call the crane. Hey, y'all meet over here. Y'all bring your shovels. We're going to dig the footings on this thing over here. And uh, maybe if I'd have done that, maybe we'd already had the building up. I don't know. But we can never have too much faith, never have too much parking, never have too much soul winning, never have too many chairs, never, <laughs> well, this is good, never have too much money. <laughs> and number four, number five, we can never have too much love. Jesus said, Hereby shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. And without love, we're naught, nada, zilch, zero, nothing. And there's one final nothing I want to call your attention to, so go all the way back now to the book of Matthew, chapter number 5. And here's, I guess, what I would call the nothing of pearl, the saddest nothing in the Bible. Look at Matthew, chapter 5, and here's our last one. Look at verse 13. Ready? Let's read it. Ready? Here we go. Matthew 5, 13. Ye are the salt. Are you there? Hello? Is this thing on? Hello? Hello? Let's read it. Ready? Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost his savor. Wait a minute. Savor, not savior. You can't lose your savior. You can't lose your savor. If the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing. You know what that verse is teaching us? That it's possible that you and I, as a child of God, can become good for nothing to God. You know some people like that, that have fallen by the wayside, they lost their, not savior, but they lost their savor, their zest, their zing. They lost it. And what are they now? Good for nothing. Why, saddest thing that could ever happen to any child of God is for them in God's sight to become good for nothing. 
Boy, if there's one thing I don't ever want to become in, the, in God's sight, I'm already good for nothing anyway, but I don't ever want the Lord just to look at me and say, you know something, that guy is good for nothing. He's lost his zest. He's lost his zing. He's good for nothing. Sad possibility that a child of God can reach the point that God says they're good for nothing. Oh, Samson reached that point, didn't he? This become good for nothing, kept laying around, cussing, drinking, laying around with women, and eventually became good for nothing. There's a lot of Christians throughout the Bible that just messed their life up and became good for nothing. All right, here we go. Number one, the nothing of performance. The nothing of pride. The nothing of prayer. The nothing of possibility. The nothing of possessions. The nothing of profit. And the nothing of peril. Boy, God sure makes a big deal about nothing. And I hope you got nothing out of this message tonight. I don't ever want to come to the place that I'm good for nothing. Let's pray.